0: Okay, Quirós, Cami here. Now, today on the podcast, Lamia H., who wrote this amazing and beautiful book called Hijab Butch Blues, I really loved it. And you know what else? My wife, Katie, edited it. So, like, you're doing yourself a favor by reading. And also, you're supporting the Esposito-Nishimoto household. Uh, please grab Hijab Butch Blues. You know who blurbed it? Glennon Doyle. So, there you go. That's an indication of how amazing it is. Robin Moxley. Beck. Leslie Goditas, Chantel McClelland, Trisha Thalmeyer, Levan Suake, Aiden Peterson, Rachel McIntyre, Tanya Josic, Caitlin, Brittany Carlson, Stacy, Tina Herman, Kevin Fry, Jackson Carr, Chloe Vicker, Bobby Dalmer, Audrey Rower, Katie Gagliardo, Shelby Cunningham, Jessica Lustig, Danny Elkhorn, Francine Balbino, Les- Liesel Jensen, Brenda Esposito, Fiona, Eliza Dornbush, Jennifer Grind, Mara Barra, Jen Graf Perfects, Perkins, Amy A, Catherine Michaels, B, Aaron Talbot. What do all those people have in common? They all support the show on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash heyqueeros. And you too could be mentioned at the beginning of the podcast in a way that may or may not be how you pronounce your last name. I am looking at you, Jennifer Grind, or perhaps it's Grindy. Also, I'm going to be in Seattle March 5th at the Neptune Theater. I'm going to be in Burlington, Vermont. March 9th and 10th at the Vermont Comedy Club. On the 12th of March, I will be in Boston at Laugh Boston. That's already sold out. Go to CameronEsposito.com and get tickets. Come on, do it, okay? I've been feeling wrong,
1: but I'm still on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless.
0: Uh, hi, one thing I always have guests do on the podcast is introduce themselves. Would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Um, hi, I'm Lamia. I live in New York um, and I wrote a memoir called Hijab Butch Blues. Um, introducing myself or like introducing introductions in general make me so nervous because they give me an existential crisis. Like, who am I? What have I done with my life? Um,
0: I know that's part, kind of like part of the trap that I've set up is um, I do think that's actually very interesting, you know, to to hear how somebody would frame their fucking existence um so i get it like I, I think a lot of times people um feel that way yeah what would i say well i mean i think i lead with like profession first which is mm. like its own messed up thing right you know like stand-up comic actor writer like that's like for
1: sure what if right with me right you know? um but. i guess i'm a writer um, you are a writer, yeah. I wrote. That's this what they book. say
0: about people who have books out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I'm curious about even your like hesitancy there. Um,
1: so I'm not trained as a writer. I, um, I actually came to writing pretty late in life, um, like in my late twenties. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people who. Took writing classes my whole life, et cetera. And so, I don't know, it's been, it's definitely been a getting used to process of being like, I am a writer. I wrote a book.
0: Yeah, that is, uh, absolutely. That makes so much sense. I I also feel that way um, about many of my jobs. Because the only job that I really chose was stand-up comic. And the Mm. rest of them have all been like offshoots of that. And so that's kind of the one I feel like the most... Um, able to claim, even though I guess technically, the other ones are also true. Um, but that's the one that I feel like the most. Yeah, a, right. uh, Responsibility. The
1: also, more- you're like- a writer.
0: Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm a writer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I'm, like I've written television and book and many columns, and I guess that would, for a lot of people, they would then think of themselves as a writer, but. there's some sort of mental block going on there for sure another thing I want to talk about and I want to get to what the memoir is but I want to just say up top that you are speaking and wrote under a pseudonym um and I'd, I'd love for you to just talk about that for a moment
1: yeah um so uh I wrote a book about sort of like queerness and muslimness and for me um being able to talk about those things really, really honestly and really vulnerably um, uh, meant that I needed sort of like a layer of protection from my real self slash persona. Not that this isn't my real self and persona, but still. Um, so I wrote under a pseudonym mainly for sort of like safety and privacy um, and, and, yeah. Uh, and I had been written, I had been writing under a pseudonym for a while. Um, I had been writing sort of like essays and articles under a pseudonym and um, the book sort of like flowed from there and was under the same pseudonym. So I had this persona as a pseudonym as well. Um, yeah, And yeah, so those are those are the main reasons.
0: And I want to just go back to when you say safety and privacy. Um, and again, like any limitations you have around what you want to talk about could you maybe delve a little bit more into the safety and privacy that you're that you're trying to maintain for yourself?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, those are such loaded terms. Um, totally, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I think what has been um, interesting about navigating this whole writing under a pseudonym thing is that it's a little bit like, people are like, what does that mean? Um, but to me, it means, it means, I, I think the big thing that it means is that it's really hard being queer and it's really hard being Muslim and it's really being hard. It's it's really hard being at the intersection of both of those things. Um, I mean, it feels like this country right now is a really violent place for queer people. Um, and there are, you know, there's just like so much sort of like systemic discrimination and just like, I don't know, just also like day-to-day violence happening. Um, and, you know, this, this country has been pretty, um, discriminatory towards Muslims as well. And, um, yeah, to me, uh, a big part of safety is just being able to have boundaries, um, around who, uh, around like just being Googleable and, um, you mm. know, my address, uh, mm-hmm. being attached to this like super yeah. vulnerable memoir that I wrote. And, um, so for me, it felt it it felt really good to be writing this under, with an extra layer of protection.
0: Right. So this is not an area of my expertise. And so what I would imagine is that there might even be times that you have to correct me, but I'm trying to think about, like, sometimes when I, sometimes I just think about like, okay, it's like, I'll do like a combination of like, my understanding of culture what i'm getting on social media and like in newspapers and stuff like that and then my sort of like purview friend group personal experience and mm. what i will say is that i don't know a ton of people who are openly queer and also raised in in islam or the muslim community mm. or and also like continue to have an affinity connection perhaps i don't know if the right word is practice like, I feel like I know people who, I know, like, a couple of people who converted. Mm. And, like, they were, like, their queerness was a part of it, so there wasn't necessarily, like, a family mm. tradition going on. I know, or, like, national tradition going on. Like, I know those people have been born in the U.S. Or I know folks who had, like, family tradition stuff going on, and then they've stepped away from that. So I don't know a ton of people who are, like, in this space
1: so that's really interesting. I know so many. Um, yes, think, this yeah. is this.
0: <laughs> you know so many.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say I know so many people who um, are sort of like uh, have those identities. Um, and you know, it took me a really long time to find people. Um, it uh, it took me a really long time to find people that I wanted to be. In community with and like building with, so intentionally, Um, people who were both sort of like were both queer and Muslim, and you know, um, engaging with both of those things critically um, in ways that work for them. Um, But now I have so many um, queer Muslim friends and family, and uh, yeah, it's really lovely.
0: I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't really. I mean, just to say, I don't know a ton of like people who are who would be like i'm mm. christian and or catholic which is how i grew up um mm. i feel like i feel like i do know fo- folks who still identify culturally and like perhaps even mm. spiritually as jewish mm. like with judaism and are queer i feel like for some reason that's the one that i know like tons of folks who have that going on um but yeah i think as you were talking i was like i don't even really know that many people in my own tradition who have like been able to marry those two things
1: it's really interesting as after this book came out i mean i guess it's only been 2 days but um uh, a lot of people have been writing me um because they either sort of like grew up in a tradition and um that's not part of their lives anymore or um or they grew up with a certain tradition and it is um and they've mm-hmm. been sort of like Uh, trying to figure out ways to um, navigate both of those. So it's really cool to see, um, it's really cool to see so many people um, navigating those things, like even beyond sort of like queer Muslimness.
0: Yeah. I mean, so the reason I'm saying all that is like, I've had to look pretty hard. I had like this weird thing happen during the pandemic where I was like, wait, am I like Christian? Not like in terms of thinking that like Jesus Christ was like, um, a real, like, ghost man who, like, came out of a tomb and, like, everybody touched the inside of his body. Um, But more so just in, like, using the things I grew up with as, like, teaching stories, um, I realized that I had not... That had never, like, left my body or Mm. mind or psyche. You know, like, it's still a lot of, like, how I interpret random shit and I'm into it. Like, I think it's interesting and... And, like, widely applicable in the mm. way that I actually think my familiarity with all major religions and then also with, like, indigenous tradition, like, all of it. It's, like, it's all human wisdom and there's something mm. to be gleaned from all of it. And the the one I know the best is just this particular one. right? Um, but it was this very—anyway, so I started, like, seeking out a ton of books or, like, community around, like, queerness and Christianity. Also, like— Intersection of Christianity and and Buddhism because like those things actually if you like if you it, it, not Buddha oh my god I'm like literally and Buddhism those things if you intersect them they sort of like speak more to a message mm. like a Jesus message than what I grew up with because because it's like a way of taking what he's saying as a metaphor for like right what we're all doing here which is like learning suffering rising. Yeah.
1: And isn't it funny that like all of the stories that you grew up with never leave you, um, even if you not Yes, this is why I'm bringing them. it yeah, up to you specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, like even if you haven't thought about them for like years and years and years, they somehow live inside you. It's it's so it's so interesting to me. Um, I've I've also. I've also very recently uh, discovered that if you don't feel your feelings, they also live inside you. Did you know this? I can't, I can't believe no. everybody knew this. No. Yeah, that just yeah that you're supposed to feel your feelings. No. What? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think they those are uh those are related somehow. That um, hmm. yeah.
0: Well, so the reason i was saying all that to you specifically is the way that the memoir is framed is stories from the Quran. Like you're you're talking about your own um religious tradition and the things that you learned, and then specifically about like, yeah, stories from the Quran in a way that like is very different, first of all, hmm. than the way Catholics actually encounter um our text.
1: Oh Do you know this? No, can you say more?
0: Yeah, like Catholics don't read the Bible. there are other christian traditions where like that's more of it but i mean you sort of do eh. it's more like in in my experience of it was like it's more like in religion class you're like talking about jonah being in the belly of a whale and Mm. that's like it's all literal and it's all like stories and it's um Like, not only is it not, like, in Aramaic, but it's, like, also not even in the wording from the English translation of the Bible. It's just truly, like, random storybook stuff. Um, And so one of the immediate things that struck me about your story is, like, how much reading and, like, true connection to the text Mm. you got as a child. Like, it's on the, the radio and things like this. Could you talk about that for
1: a little bit? Yeah. So, um... I grew up in the Middle East. Um, I grew up, I'm South Asian, and my family moved uh, to a country in the Middle East when I was four. Um, And yeah, I, I mean, like, not, not, it's not just in the country that I grew up in. But like, I think in a lot of places in the Islamic world, the Quran is like, it's just such a like, text that is just like everywhere. so, so, interestingly part of um just like reciting the quran is considered an act of worship and so um a lot of people sort of like memorize it or like people learn some of the smaller chapters or you know you hear it uh you hear it being sort of recited um and actually uh there's there's this like rich tradition of people like reciting it in like really kind of like beautiful tones and voices um so that's that's definitely part of the um sort of like soundscape of Islam Um, and uh, yeah so I I just like grew up with the Quran sort of like being everywhere both sort of like in an audio way but also you know in terms of like going to Quran class and like learning how to read it Um, because I, I, I didn't, you know, I, I don't speak Arabic. And so that's what I, I was just going to yeah. ask you.
0: Like, I mean, this is the dumbest question in the world. I'm so sorry. But like, what language is it being spoken and read in, in when, when you're when you were a child? What was
1: mostly Arabic? But we also just read translations a lot um, in English. Um And then, you know, sometimes my parents would read translations in Urdu, um, which is the other language that we speak. Um, But yeah, but mostly Arabic um, and then a combination of sort of like translations in other languages.
0: And you you said you don't speak Arabic. I
1: don't speak Arabic. Yeah, yeah um when when I'm around arabic my arabic is like good enough that I understand everything um and of course I know all of the curse words um <laughs> which you know is a yeah the first thing that most people pick up in languages um but uh yeah so um I learned how to read and sort of even write I learned how to like read and write arabic um for the purposes of reading the quran
0: because you wanted to or because that was
1: when I was younger a lot of it was just school um yeah. and parents and you know um I had a Quran teacher who would come every afternoon and teach me and my brother to read Quran um but but yeah as it um as as we grew older um I definitely, like, felt more of a connection to keep revisiting it um, and keep reading and um, read different translations, um, not just one, so that I could get a richer picture of what was going on. And then also just reading a lot of, um, I guess, like, uh, I think it's called, like, exegesis, but I I don't think I've ever said that word out loud, Cameron. I think you're you're right. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's uh, how it's uh, pronounced, for sure. Is it? Yes.
1: Yeah, Yeah, because, you know. Um English is my second language I'm always mispronouncing things you know um thanks uh yeah so um I definitely like grew up reading a lot of translations and then a lot of sort of like i guess interpretations of that translation as well
0: yeah and by the way I just want to say I'm probably the only stand up comic that might be like you know that is how you say that word um because <laughs> of my own personal background but um yeah, I mean, some of that is very, the, all of this is, God, I mean, I could just talk about, like, your encountering that text for, like, the whole interview, because I think that's, like, for instance, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but, like, for a very long time, Catholic Mass was was delivered in Latin, specifically Whoa. so the parishioners could not understand what was being said. And actually, at that time, the priest faced away from them. Huh. So, like everybody was supposed to show up and look at this guy's back who's speaking a language that they don't understand. And that changed um, in the 70s. And then the priest also turned around and, you know, it was like the language that mass was delivered in was then the local language. But um, I think that what you're talking about is such a different positioning um, to text than I grew up with. And then specifically the way that you wrote this book is in finding the characters from that text. Char- I hope characters doesn't seem like dismissive. I don't know what, I don't know what to call. Characters from- is okay. okay yeah. yeah. <laughs> finding the characters from the text, um, like having a relationship with them, having your mm-hmm. own relationship and um, rel- relating to their stories. Could you talk about that decision a little bit and specifically, um, the Miriam moment that yeah. happened when you were
1: fourteen, yeah. I think, yeah. So, um, I I've mentioned already that I you know didn't grow up writing, but I grew up reading a lot, like just a lot. I read everything that I could get my hands on, and um, I don't know. I think part of the eye-opening experience uh, for me in terms of reading books was that you get to like you get to like live in the head of ca- in the heads of characters, and you get to Um, You get to sort of like question their decisions and you get to like think of them as like messy and flawed and like, you know, making some decisions that you wouldn't make or um, or like cheering them on. And to me, Mm. um, because of the way that I grew up with the Quran as a sort of like omnipresent text, um, to me, it felt really natural to do that with characters or figures from the Quran as well um figures there we go keep going yeah figures yes <laughs> figures yeah.
0: that that sounds more respectful keep going
1: yeah um so to me um to me in some ways I've always thought of figures from the Quran as like you know deeply human um sure they're like prophets or whatever but um but to me they were all they were at the end of the day human and you know um flawed um and i think i think one of the coolest things um in terms of figures in the quran is that there's this one chapter that's um that's about the prophet muhammad um and in it god is reprimanding him and so it's about how muhammad um uh frowned um when he encountered this uh this poor blind man who was coming to him and was um Wanted to like learn more about Islam, and there's you know a, a whole context to the story. Um, Muhammad was meeting with uh all of these sort of like rich and powerful leaders, um, from his city, and like you know, the early Muslims then were in exile, etc. There was a lot going on, but there's this moment in which God is like, Whoa, you shouldn't have done that, Muhammad. And I don't know, I like something about that has always struck me as so deeply powerful mm. because. Even this prophet makes mistakes, um, and so for me, I don't know. It just felt like really natural that other prophets could also um, make mistakes, or or just like I don't know, um, have like have like voices inside there. You know what I mean? Like have like internal monologues and like be making decisions um, the same way that I was. Um, And so, yeah, so to me, um, part of like, part of the, part of what has made Islam so important to me is being able to see myself in these stories. Um, and, you know, and just like having a lot of empathy towards these figures who were just trying to do the right thing the same way that, you know, um, I, sometimes, I, like, try to do the right thing and, like, fail and, like, you know, make mistakes. Um, wow. Yeah.
0: That is so different than my—it's, <laughs> like, wild to hear you talk about this. I mean, again, like, I'm sure—well, I'd love to hear from listeners if they were raised in, like, a Christian tradition and had anything that sounds like what you're talking about. Or, and, I, and I'm not even saying you're, like, speaking for all Muslims. I'm just like, this is not— Um, I don't think this actually would have been okay with the people that were around me when I was growing Mm. up, and I don't know if it was okay with the people that were around you, you know, but, you know, again, I feel like I was raised with this real idea of, like, not just, like, a separation from God who's, like, a sky man that you can't get to, but, like, a separation from everybody who's holier than you. like literally a part of Catholicism is, like, you go say your sins to a priest, you know, like, behind a closed door. And, like, um, women can't be priests, queer people can't be priests, and then above priests is, like, the next level of priest, you know, like a cardinal or, uh, you know, a a bishop, and then above that is, like, other, you know, and then you get to the Pope and, like, that's still not even God. Like, you know, it's, like, there's all these layers of humanity and, And hierarchy. Yeah, exactly. And Yes, exactly. There's all these layers of hierarchy. And then, yes, there are, like, prophets, but they're also saints, you know, in that tradition. And saints have to do miracles, a certain number of miracles. And, like, then they move up. Even there, there's, like, different zones you, like, are in until you get to a certain point. Um, And those folks are, like, magic. You know, it's not, they're not, like, people. Um, I think, in the way that we talk about them. So, yeah, this is highly radical what you're talking about to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, what I read about too, but it's just like wild to hear you say it. like, what are you talking about? that you, like felt a right
1: <laughs> connection? Yeah, yeah, I can see that.
0: What were you saying? But isn't what? No,
1: no, no, my butt isn't was um was just. I don't know. I think it's sort of like built into Islam because there is this whole chapter in the Quran that's like reprimanding Prophet Muhammad. You know what I mean? I think it like, I think it, uh, I think it takes prophets and just out of this idea of like sainthood, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
0: God, by the way, God has been pissed at like every saint and every person in the bible too you know like that's a big part of it Mm. but i think you know there it's also sort of a judging god and like a Mm. god you have to earn um i mean the old testament god is also extremely like vicious like just Mm. killing people and whatnot but then the new testament god is distant i think that's part of the reason that in that tradition like jesus means so much because it's Cause he's like the loving and forgiving one um, that like brought us all toward God, as opposed to God right. coming to us. I mean, I guess there is still a celebration that that there's a God that would want to become human, but
1: right. Which is also where I think like some of my reframing comes in. And I, you know, this is like this is all um, you know, I didn't always have access to this. It's all it's definitely something that I had to learn how to do lots thank you, lots and lots of therapy. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think about that a lot, because what if the God that's, like, scolding Muhammad, for example, is not, like, actually, like, angry and scolding, but what if um, what if that God is, like, I don't know, gentler than that, and what if that God is being kind and telling Muhammad, you know, you you try your best, um, but this isn't, you don't have to do this, like, this isn't this isn't the path. Um, what you should have done was this instead. I don't know. I, I, I think like, how would that change how, um how would that change how we think about religion if God was framed as kind and guiding? Yeah.
0: I don't know. Oh, like I think mass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: get into some like actual things from the book but I just like yeah I really appreciate this appreciate this sort of like overarching convo well since we're talking about this that way can you recount for me there's like this moment from when you're a teen where you like have this first encounter with the idea that maybe like there's queerness built into the Quran would you can you talk about that for a moment
1: yeah um so for me that happened um in Quran class um in school. Wait, how old were you at this time? I was 14.
0: Yeah, that's so. okay. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And um in Quran class we were reading the story of Maryam um also known as the Virgin Mary um and uh and there's, there's a whole sort of like chapter in the Quran about Maryam. And, um, we were sort of like making our way through this chapter, uh, as part of Quran class. And one of the, there's this moment at which, um, Maryam, so she's, she like lives alone in this sort of like temple mosque situation, um, because her mom has sort of promised her to God. And, there's this moment in which this like handsome, well-proportioned man. These I'm quoting the Quran here, or, you know. I'm quoting the translation of the Quran here. Um, knocks on her door, and you know has, and it's it's an angel from God, and you know this angel has a message for Maryam for God, and um, you know Maryam lives all alone, and you know there's this handsome man knocking on her door, and she's like no, thank you. You know, please leave. And I don't know, there's, there is this, there was something in me at 14 that was so intrigued by this, by this moment. And then when you keep sort of like reading, um, what happens is that the angel is like, no, no, hold on, hold on. Um, I'm actually an angel from God. And I'm here to tell you that you're pregnant, you're going to have a baby. And then she has this moment where she's like, absolutely not no man no man has touched me and I don't know something about to me at 14 like just like hearing that was just so powerful because I was like wait there are people like me like not just in the Quran but just like in the world what um and because yeah I mean like and you know in in this chapter, I talk about how Maryam was a dyke. Doesn't that totally make sense? Um, But, you know, like, and, you know, again, like maybe she was and maybe she wasn't, but to me, there's something so powerful about her refusal in that moment. And just like, I I felt this like immense connection with her. And yeah, um, it's interesting because that's also the year that I, you know, started wearing hijab and started like reading the quran so much more and and yeah i don't know to me um those things are connected just that moment of sort of like seeing something that felt akin to myself in this story and um just yeah wanting to be closer to maryam and to god I feel like I've had that conversation with many gynecologists that you're talking about. <laughs> God, Mary, Mary,
0: <laughs> i with that angel. Um,
1: but Cameron, are you yeah. sure you're not
0: pregnant? <laughs> like, I'm so sure. Um, but I I mean, again, actually, I, I will say that the time I thought about this for the fucking first time in my life, because I did sort of have a moment where I thought about this, was when I was um, doing an egg retrieval. And I was like, oh, I know someone that perhaps <laughs> got pregnant in a kind of a similar way, but like with very different, uh, tools. Whoa. <laughs> um, that was pretty wild for me. Um, I was a very different age cause that was like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have the same thought actually, or like a similar thought around like this story I grew up with. I do not know if it means what you think it means, <laughs> you know? Um, and it was, it was very cool. Uh, having that thought i also just want to follow up on so you still uh cover your hair i do out in the world yes and um there's a moment where you're like talking to a doctor in the book which first of all again i mean like about a lot of things in the world like people who were born in the united states are idiots like that's just fucking true and i actually didn't know and i have like Friends who've emigrated here. I didn't know you had to have a medical exam.
1: Yeah. For immigration. I didn't know that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And it expires every year, which is so annoying because it means that if your application is stuck in processing for more than a year, you need a, you need another, you need another medical evaluation to, you know, prove that you're off sound help in mind to emigrate to this country. Isn't that wild?
0: Yes. Yes, it is wild. Yes, it is wild. I, that seems like an extremely uh, difficult hoop to jump through again and again. Um, but you were having this medical exam and the doctor, like, specifically asked you about your decision to uh, wear hijab. And I just was—I wanted to have you sort of, like, recount that moment because I feel like, again, like, maybe in your world these are conversations that um you're hearing about a lot but i don't mm. know that they are convo's that i think have like gotten as m- much um space as they deserve
1: mm. so um first of all for context this was an anti doctor um by which i mean uh, the the woman who is doing um the the she the woman who is sort of like doing my medical exam was was, you know, like she was like an auntie, like the, the aunties that I grew up around. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that makes aunties aunties, like one of their defining characteristics is their are uh, prying into people's businesses. <laughs> um, and so I just like it was it was hilarious because, um, you know, she asked me all of these questions that are on the form, like, you know, uh, just like. Like, what meds do you take? Um, you know, is have you ever engaged in sex work? Like, just what? Yeah. Anyway, um, and, you know, we, uh, we get to the end and she realizes that I'm gay. And then in this very auntie turn of events, she goes, but then why do you still wear hijab?
0: Like, what do you say to that?
1: Um... Well, in that situation, I I felt like I couldn't really say anything because she's basically, she yeah. has all the power in the situation. Right,
0: you didn't, I don't think you did say yeah, anything in the book. Yeah. But I'm curious as to like, just yeah. in your own heart, what you say to that.
1: To me, um, I don't know. Hijab is something that I've been wearing for a long time. Um, I've been wearing it since I was 14. And to me, the biggest reason that I wear it is because it feels like a way to feel closer to God. Um, it feels like it feels like a reminder on a daily basis to myself um, of something that I'm aspiring to, which is just like, which is just sort of like using this concept of God to be a better person in the world. Um, to just constantly, I don't know, remember that there's something bigger outside of me um whether it's the universe or god or whatever but just i don't know just a reminder that there's something outside of me and there's something that i'm aspiring towards um which is you know being um kind to people that i don't know um being more patient um thinking through concepts of justice and yeah to me it's like a daily reminder of that um yeah, I know that. Like, I know that people talk about sort of like modesty um, and other concepts when it comes to hijab, but none of those have really, like, none of those have really called out to me. Um, to me, it's it's just it's more this idea of being present and being conscious about my decisions. Um, And, you know, sometimes I wear um, a headscarf um, and sometimes I wear a beanie and um, sometimes I wear a backwards baseball cap. Um, And to me, those are all forms of hijab.
0: But that, I mean, because I noticed that you're wearing a beanie today and I and I already was like, oh, I see what that is. But is that something that what would like the tradition you grew up in, say, about that? Like, with, is that something that folks would accept? Or is that a personal, um,
1: I think it's, a, I think it's a bit of both. I think hijab looks very different, um, in different places in the Muslim world, um, uh a lot of people also wear sort of like turban hijabs i don't know if you've ever seen those super stylish like fashionista like totally hijab. i totally oh have God, yeah. i feel
0: like what i haven't seen is beanie baseball cap i feel like really? that's the ones okay, i haven't cause, seen yeah
1: okay because i'm trying to go for this like hijabi slob fashion you know i mean uh, number
0: one fucking like <laughs> under you know like you look fabulous so it's not that but i just feel you. like that's, i haven't seen it
1: i'm still in my workout clothes from this <laughs> morning mm-hmm. um but, yeah, I, I think, like, I think there's so many hijabi fashionistas in the world mm-hmm. and really, like, power to them, but mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be a hijabi slob.
0: <laughs> May I suggest uh, the portmanteau his You know, just an idea. Just oh an
1: idea. <laughs> I, I can't believe I've never come up with yeah. that. Yeah, hey, man, stick I'm with me. I'm crediting you, yeah, Cameron. Please. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> every time I use that. Yeah.
0: You know, the other thing that I really like about the way that you describe that, because this is something that is, like, so, well, like, obviously, I'm not telling you anything when I say that this is, like, in a Western sense can be very contentious, misunderstood, a way to draw attention. But then, like, there's also, you know, growing up here, the, like, media and information that's delivered from the rest of the world that I think it's also, like, very... Um, the info is very across the board about, like, mm. are people being oppressed? Are people being given mm. a choice? Like, some folks are saying, this is actually me, like, standing in my power. Then there's, like, you know, somebody who, like, whoever it is, whether they're even in the community, like, some random, like, white woman in Iowa being like, I don't want this to, you know, so it's, just, like, there's just a ton of conversation about this. Um, and that's, I'm not trying to get into that. I think what I'm more trying to say is given all that conversation, I liked what you said about just like the personal interaction and like, and also the reminder, because I think that thing as a way of like contextualizing this, not that people need, not that like you need to fucking justify your existence to anybody else, but it's just an interesting way of contextualizing it because like, yeah, there's a million things that in the Western world we do. Right. And totally accept like, here's one that I'm fucking wearing right now. A fucking wedding ring. Mm. You know, like that's the reason people wear wedding rings. Number one, they're like circles. So it's like it can never be broken. But then also like people wear wedding rings for a reminder. Or lots of people wear crosses for a reminder. Like I I'm not wearing it today, but I have a um I like left it at a hotel that I've been staying at for work and don't worry. I called them day and night until they found they told me they found it. But I have a cornicello from my family, which is um, it's like this horn that exists in the Italian tradition that means protection and you actually can't buy it for yourself and have it be effective. Somebody has to give it to you. So the one that I have right now was given to me by my sister. Previously I had one given to me by my father and I wear it every day to remind me that I'm protected and like part of a family. So again, it's like, doesn't have to be the same level of symbol. I'm not necessarily talking about an encounter with God, Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly have things in my own life that I do as a reminder of how I am plugged into everything.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, that's
0: a real thing that exists in the world, feeling connected. Um, mm-hmm. so you have a partner? Yes. Today you go to a mosque. Yes. Today. And are those two things at all do those two parts of your life at all interact? I don't mm. know the answer to that. Like like is that like Does your partner come to the mosque? I literally don't know, like, how this is. I don't know what is appropriate in this context. Like, I don't know.
1: I mean, that's a good question. So also, you know, the pandemic happened and is happening. And so going to the mosque uh, looks very different um, these days. Um, But... So, so my partner has come to visit my family in before, um, sort of like in the past and sort of, we pretended to be friends. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I also don't have a good answer to this question because like pandemic happened and like mosque going has like become, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean,
0: I can tell you why I'm asking if that helps you too. Yeah. Yeah you know cuz i have had a curiosity in the last couple of years about like if there's a faith community that i mm. could be a part of and um currently right now i'm going to like a unitarian church mm-hmm. which is it's very interesting yeah. like unitarian church is really interesting it's it does draw the, un, the unitarian unitarian universalist and they they do draw from christianity they also draw yeah. from like all religious texts so it's not like a mm-hmm. christian tradition um and also they draw from like general ideas of social justice Mm. so like i mean everybody's really old otherwise it would feel a little like i don't even know what to say i don't want to say coachella vibe it's like there's a little bit of like uh it's amazing that we created this but also like this does seem a little fucking la maybe even though it exists everywhere (laughs) (laughs) um but people are fucking old there and i think they really do believe what they what they're saying and like the minister is this like fucking old ass woman and i fuck i love to hear what she has to say so I'm currently um, enjoying that experience, but I also have like experimented with, for instance, like going to various churches, even Catholic mm. churches. I've brought my wife, Katie, with me and there have been times, you know, like technically in the Catholic church, I am not able to take communion.
1: Oh, um, interesting.
0: Because of like the choices that I've made in my life. Like I'm a, I'm a divorcee. I'm uh, also was gay, like when I got married to being with. So there's like a lot of So then to know that and bring somebody into that space, not just bring my own body into the space, bring somebody else Mm. into that space. Um, Like, Katie left one time when we (laughs) and just went and, like, walked around. But, like, you know, it's a lot to, um, it's, there's one thing to, like, do the work inside of yourself, but then there's just, it's another thing to try to make those things intersect, like, outside of yourself. That's why I was asking this question.
1: So to sort of answer your question, um, I a, a bunch of sort of a bunch of uh, queer Muslims here. Um, we kind of have our own community. Um, we do uh, iftar's every day in Ramadan, even if it's like not in person. Like sometimes they're virtual, um, and we've just been putting building a. We've been putting a lot of effort into um, into you know like doing Eid prayers together. Um, and I take my partner to those and that feels really meaningful to have her there. Um, yeah. It, it feels really meaningful to have her there.
0: Oh, and the other reason that I'll say that, <laughs> that I'm asking this question that people wouldn't know if they hadn't read the book is that like your partner is not yes. Muslim, which is why I'm like, yeah. asking. That for oh me yeah. To begin with. Um, okay. Well, look, people should read hijab, which blues, that's absolutely true. Um, and also, I just really appreciate your um your time and energy today. You know, like it's mm. uh I think it's a lot for me as just a, an adult person to just feel like, man, I don't know anything mm. about this. And I actually think I'm somebody who's more interested than the average bear in like other <laughs> religious traditions that I wasn't raised in. Um so it is like very Yeah, I appreciate your graciousness around you know, answering these questions of at course, like a, an elementary school level. Um.
1: I got you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Uh, before I send you back into your day, and there's like so many other things I wanted to ask you about, but before I send you back into your day, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is a well-proportioned man? No, not that. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you to shout out a query, a queero, which is a um, person, placer thing that made you feel you could be who you are today.
1: Oh my god! Um, can I shamelessly shout out Leslie Feinberg, um, of for writing Stone Butch Blues, um, which is where my title is derived from. Yeah, just Leslie was amazing, and um, reading Stone Butch Blues changed for me what I thought books could do. Um, mm. Just because that book is just like it's so. It's both, like, personal and political at the same time. And, um, yeah, that's my queero.
0: It's also memoir, but, like, a little disjointed from what we usually think of as memoir, which is also true of your book. I just mean in terms of, like, it's not, like, first, this happened. Like, it's, yeah, it's, like, set up very differently. When did you first encounter that book?
1: Um, I think I read it first in my early 20s. and. Yeah, I I also just, like, it It made it feel possible to write about queerness and transness um, in ways that I hadn't always read about.
0: Yeah, for sure. I know that that's, well, again, and also, like, Leslie is one of those um, people that, like, over time, we actually have, like, more context for what they were talking about, like, not less. For sure, yeah. Which is interesting, because sometimes things can age in a way that makes them like less relatable or understandable. And that, that book is, that's not true of that book. Yeah. Which is also something that's really interesting about it. Well, my friend, um, thank you so much for your time. And I also just want to, yeah, I want to thank you for writing this book and, um, I really appreciated what you said at the beginning about, you know, protecting yourself, your space, your safety and your own, um, like time and energy. Yeah. I will try to ever start doing that.
1: (laughs) You got this. I believe in you.
0: (laughs) Thank you.